0: Asia Tech Podcast. Podcast, voice of the Asian tech ecosystem.
1: This is Ashley Talks, Graham Brown, and Ashley Galena, Dudaranok. Today, we're going to talk about something which I fear may raise <laughs> a little bit of criticism. Close your ears, folks, if you're easily offended. We're going to talk about some powerful subjects. Ashley, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, Graham. Fantastic to be here.
1: I say welcome to the show. This is actually your show. I mean, you're going to take it on from here, but... <laughs> But today, this, this subject is all about something very close yeah. to your heart. We're going to talk about personal branding and female entrepreneurship. Well, I, I, you're not going to pull any punches today. That's you're great. going to go straight in. I think you're, we were talking off air, listeners. Ashley's message is quite strong. So I think some people are going to find maybe a little bit of contention, which is great. I mean, this is what has to happen. Ashley, why <laughs> yeah. did you pick these subjects first? Why are we talking about this?
2: Well, we're talking about these two subjects because this world are talking about right now, at least in my space. So, first of all, uh, personal branding. We've heard that for the past two years and we've heard it from different entrepreneurs, from Gary Vee to uh, just name anyone, right? That you need to build a personal brand if you are going to play a long game, if you are in business long term. You don't have it's not optional anymore. It's not it's not something that you can uh, you know, you can escape. If you want to be in business, uh, you need to do that. So uh, I've also went through this. um, I've gone through this transformation in the past, uh, say, year, year and a half. I started putting myself out there. I started um, a blog, a vlog, uh, a YouTube channel. I wrote a book. Um, I mean, I I I really became that, uh, I think, um, uh, personal branding um evangelist, you would say. Yeah. And I see the power of it. It has significantly transformed my business and the way I see opportunities and it transformed and made myself better as well. So I thought it was really cool to start talking about that. And I will bring uh, throughout this podcast, I will bring guests that will be, you know, making this um uh, topic and opening up this topic even further. And then the second uh, the second angle is Uh, Female entrepreneurship, I would say Mm. everybody's right now talking about, you know, me Too movement and uh, there's been a couple of very famous and popular books like lean in by Sheryl Sandberg and uh, good girls don't get a corner office um, that talk about, you know, women being uh, oppressed at workplace. Uh, explaining why there are so few women in business, there are articles every week. I read Economist a lot, right? So every week there are articles in Economist that talk about, you know, women in boardroom and what's being done and how it's not enough, et cetera. So it's a very hot topic. And me, as a um, female entrepreneurship, um, I have an opinion and I have, um, I, I have a message that I want to deliver. Essentially, to other business women and women that aspire to be uh, successful professionally at workplace and in business, um, I think that, that we need to basically change the focus of the whole conversation.
1: Yeah. And that's not going to happen easily, is it? I think you. No. <laughs> exactly. You're opening yourself to criticism. And that's what we're going to talk about in today's podcast, isn't it? I mean, your, your message.
0: Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at ATP.show.
1: I think it's brave. I mean, you're, you're standing out there and you're opening yourself up to criticism and in a way that sort of is key part of personal branding as well, isn't it? That you have to be vulnerable and you have to put yourself out there. You have to, you know, work out who your fans are and deliver the message to the fans and not edit yourself to please everybody, right?
2: I absolutely love that. The way you put it, uh, you, you mentioned it last time. I think we had a podcast and you said, don't edit yourself. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. And this is a fantastic quote. I'm putting it in my book and I'm using yes. it, it's, <laughs> it's literally beautiful, um, it is a huge element of personal branding. You need to stop being afraid to be judged. Mm. And it is difficult for any human being. You know, all of us uh, have this need to be loved and, uh, you know, we are afraid of not being enough, not being smart enough, not being you know, professional enough, not being liked enough. So we have these fears. But for women, it just feels that that fear is, mm, I don't know whether it's stronger or we just focus on it more. But it's, it feels that it's a lot more difficult to put ourselves out there. Right. So I, Yes, if you do personal branding that's the default. You need to uh, stop caring what people say. You need to deliver the message you are powerful, you 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 are uh, passionate about. It needs to be a powerful message and uh, you need to really live it. And um, I think that's what makes it, you know, that that's what makes it unique. That's what makes it your personal brand.
1: It's interesting you brought up Gary Vaynerchuk earlier. I mean Gary V and he's yeah obviously a big proponent of personal branding. He's out there doing his thing. I, I find that really fascinating. I mean, he he has a massive following and he's really yeah. sort of built that through personal branding. I mean, he started off doing his wine club thing, you know, when he got people right. into to drink wine with him, which is just, you know, it's just a very interesting way of doing it. But, you know, a lot of people find his style off-putting. They don't like him. And I think this is really interesting because I don't think he cares. He's almost like saying... I don't care, I don't give a shit if you don't like my style, you know, this is me, and I'm not editing myself, if you don't like me, move on, find somebody else, right? And in a way, you talk about that sort of fear for women being stronger, It's it must be harder, right? I mean, I'm not a woman, so I'm not going to speak for women, but I'm just wondering, you know, that for Gary V to do that, maybe... You know, at a younger age, it was easier for him to do that because he's a guy, you know, that's kind of a thing that guys do, you know, rough and tumble, take the knocks, play with bricks, all those kind of things. Whereas women, I don't know, it must be harder because to do that and to stand up and say, okay, I'm open to criticism when you're growing up, you know, that must have a big impact on you.
2: Right. Because we don't have a lot of examples. To be very honest, we don't have a lot of examples of strong, powerful women right right now. Like, close your eyes. Think about... A woman blogger, business blogger, a successful entrepreneur who you really want to learn from, who you really connect with, who you, you know, think about one name, just give me one name. Ashley. Yeah. <laughs> so you Thank set you me
1: I'm, up. But apart from you, very, they're, they're yeah. not, I mean, they're not a lot of people in your space.
2: Exactly. So, first of all, we don't have examples. That's why we feel okay. If, if it hasn't been done before, that's not for me. And secondly, again, this fear not to be liked or approved, you know, we were taught, everybody was taught to be a good boy or a good girl, but girls were, mm, you know, were taught from early age, uh, what does that mean exactly to be a good girl? And very often it wasn't putting yourself out there and it wasn't overachieving and it wasn't, you know, being controversial and it wasn't, it was all about being liked, right? right? So you need to just understand that and, you know, and work with it. And in terms of Gary V, to be very honest, when, when you were talking about, you know, his style and how people don't like him, uh, I don't connect with his style. I don't like I don't like swearing and all these you know, dirty words. And but he's passionate. When I saw him live, when I when I actually met Gary, I understood him a lot more. But when I watched, uh, and I, 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 I never was a big fan. A friend of mine was a huge fan and he was, he, he kept telling me that I need to check out Gary Vee. So finally when I did, I was just so, my goodness, who is this guy? What is he doing? What's wrong with people following <laughs> him? Because he's got three messages. His message number one is positivity wins and secondly, uh, work hard. And third one is, you know what, don't care about anyone and do personal branding and marketing and explore new platforms. These are the three messages I feel that he just keeps repeating and, you know, going in circles around. And it's great. I mean, it's easy to understand what is he all about. And he shares his life. Uh, to unprecedented extent. And, um, you know, so, so when I watched his uh, podcast, I felt or or his uh, Gary Vee show, uh, for that matter, I felt that, first of all, he's very, you know, he's very forceful. And some of those guests that come, they are, I don't know, famous investors and famous uh, entrepreneurs. And he just, oh, he just goes on them. And he doesn't let them say a word or finish a sentence. And I felt that <laughs> that's rude. <laughs> That's really rude. And he's got that passion, but I I felt that it wasn't directed, you know, the right way. And then Mm -hmm. he swears and then he's all about me, me, me. So, of course, he gave me a certain impression. Again, when I met him in person, I realized that he is really a very genuine person and he really feels this way. And he doesn't edit himself. And he's got Mm -hmm. huge followership because there are people that connect with the way, not only the message, but also the way he presents it and that's beautiful yeah. and you know what people cannot judge him first of all he doesn't charge for his content he's creating it he puts it out there he doesn't force you to watch it it's not one of those advertisings that you just cannot skip you know while watching a youtube video nobody pushes you to uh, follow him and listen to his messages and so that's the beauty of it that's the beauty of new media and being an influencer and you know building a personal brand
1: but could could uh, I know, that sounds like a stupid question, yes. so smack me down. But could there be a female Gary V now? It, Absolutely. Right, right. And why isn't ready. there one? But
2: women women themselves need to be ready. Right. So these women need to start putting themselves out there. They need to go with passion. They need to go with force, power. They need to go with unpopular messages that are really, really, um, you know, that, 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 that are really in their heart, you know. Mm-hmm. And then they need to focus on the outcome. The outcome is to change the status quo, is to have more, um, I do not know, more, not only women in business. I mean, what's the purpose of having more women in business or oh, diversity? It's about creating value, value for others, value for economy, value for yourself. So that's the outcome. Let's focus on the outcome. Let's get more women actually doing that. Let's have women talk about non-female subjects as well. Yes.
0: Can you Amazing. Most of the women
2: talk about, okay, oh, we are being oppressed, we're being that, we're being this. It's great that we started talking about at the same time. If you want to attract audiences besides other women, mm. you need to talk about universal subjects. Yeah. Get depth, get the knowledge, get the confidence. Most of the women, I know so many extraordinary women. Um, again, they, they they are extremely deep. They they know so much stuff, but they don't put out themselves out there. So how mm. can you expect a different, you know, a different result? How can you expect uh, an, a female Gary Vee? I think we are ready. We just don't have enough women doing that. We are ready. Men are ready to listen to women. Yeah. Women are ready to listen to women. Exactly. Knowledge. So let's just do that.
1: Well, I wonder. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, and I think this is so right. You said examples, and we're talking about stories, really, and. I guess the reason why we're doing Ashley Talks as well is because we're, we're putting it out there that this is a this is an option. You know, you, if you're a woman, you don't have to sit and just listen to men all the time, right? Of course. But you, you know, we, we talked off air about role models and you mentioned, for example, Sheryl Sandberg, and we talked about like Michelle Obama, Hillary Clinton. But the interesting thing about these examples is, it, I, I know this is controversial, but I'm going to say it, is that they've got to their position because of, you know, their family connections, right? Not necessarily purely on merit. I mean, Hillary Clinton was only, you know, nominated because she was the wife of Bill Clinton, right? I don't know if she could have done it on her own. I mean, she's a smart woman, et cetera, et cetera. So, but, you know, we're short of examples, aren't we? We really are. I mean, I I think, you know, when you grew up, as many women around the world were, were, you were exposed to the stories of like Disney and it would have been like Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella. (laughs) I mean, what kind of examples? You talk about personal branding. What kind of examples are those for women where you just kind of like, yeah, you just have to make yourself pretty for Prince Charming, right? I mean, that has an impact, surely.
2: It definitely has an impact. And to be very honest, I consider myself extremely lucky. I was born and I grew up in Soviet Union, right? So non-existent country right now, but it was Soviet Union. And uh, I mean, people have different... Um, different memories from that time. And uh, a lot of people will also disagree with me right now, also from the former Soviet Union space. Uh, but in Soviet Union, women, in my opinion, were equal to men. Mm. Yeah. My mom, for example, uh, I've got another, uh, I've got a brother who is seven years older than me, but she started working two weeks after basically giving birth to both of us. Wow. Yeah. She was she was working full time all her life. In fact, for my parents, there it was never an option for my mom to stay at home.
0: Mm.
2: Because men worked, women worked, and they both shared household duties and you know that was the default. And of course, my grandmother's generation was somewhat different, but my grandmother also worked her whole life. And she was for many years breadwinner and you know that was so I was surrounded by I would say Um, At least the examples in my family and uh, in general in that part of Russia where I'm from, I'm from the Far East, uh, but my parents, uh, you know, met in St. Petersburg. So from those two places, there were a lot of powerful women. And um, um, that was, that I think was something that really impacted me and influenced me. And uh, then I moved to, um, I I was uh, studying in uh, UK and New Zealand and then later on mainland China. And I saw that the same. Um, default the same mentality is somehow is also installed in China you know how Mao Zedong said that women hold half the sky yeah. that famous phrase and he didn't say it because he was so you know um uh, in favor of women going out there and working he just really needed labor hmm. he really needed women to work you know 14 hours a day or 12 hours a day because the economy was in uh, in, uh, in trouble so uh, they copied a lot of Um, let's say, Soviet mentality. And again, Stalin and Lenin and all those guys did not equalize women because they felt so strongly about helping them. They did it because they had very few men and uh, we went through Second World War and we really needed women to work and take up a lot of male roles and duties, etc. And throughout Soviet Union, we had stories, we had books, we had movies with very strong female characters. So when the rest of the world were watching Cinderella, to be very honest, I mean, all those cartoons from 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, Disney cartoons, they came to Russia and Soviet Union as such much, much later. So I started watching Disney cartoons, uh, I mean, in late 90s with Bambi and Lion King and stuff. Mm. Right. And uh, so I had very different, uh, not role models, but I was exposed to that part. And that's beautiful. And that's what gave that power and confidence. And yet I was still influenced by this, uh, you know, the way women shall behave and, you know, what is your role and blah, blah, blah. So all those things. I actually feel that talking about Russia, for instance, my home country, that right now Russia is a lot more patriarchal than it used to be when I was young. Right now, Mm. women are less empowered, a lot less empowered than it was when, you know, uh, let's say 28 Uh, Thirty years ago,
1: twenty-five years ago. Mm. It's fascinating that things can change like that. It even go backwards, as you say, and that you've also talked about China and Asia as an example. Obviously, that's something that's very interesting to our listeners and and the role of women there. Because I'm, you know, I don't have the data to hand, but something like you know, uh, you know, if you're a billionaire, for example, a female billionaire in China, you're you know, more likely to be self-made than anywhere else in the world if you're a female billionaire, whereas a lot of the female billionaires in the US or Europe, for example, are inherited wealth. I mean, Paris Hilton is yeah. a really good example, yes. right? I mean, she's yes. no role model really, is she, for entrepreneurs. But, you know, there's a lot of emerging, quite powerful entrepreneurs, females in in Asia who we we don't really have sort of parallels in in the rest of the world. What's going on at the moment in that sort of space? I mean, is is there sort of a generation coming through? Uh, I'm I'm just really curious from the outside why that's happening and why there are these super successful female entrepreneurs in Asia.
2: Well, um, I think, honestly, it started with this uh, policy of opening and, you know, uh, Deng Xiaoping saying that, Becoming rich and getting rich is glorious. And that's how you get country out of out of economical uh, difficulties. And um, again, men and women in China, very similarly, um, uh, very similar to uh, Soviet Union, were empowered and they were told for at least one generation that they are equal to men
0: Mm.
2: in many ways. Right. Um, they had to work the same hours they had to do, you know, tons and tons of things. They work. Uh, many of them work in factories and et cetera. Um, China is a bit controversial. It really depends where you come from, because there is this very traditional uh, society which says, OK, a girl is, you know, is a. Uh, uh, is never going to achieve what a guy or um, a, a son is going to achieve. That's why they also had these waves of abortion mm-hmm. and, you know, they were trying to get rid of uh, because they only had one child, right, policy. So they were trying to get rid of girls, et cetera. And there's a lot of leftover children. Many of them are girls. Many boys, they actually take to town, et cetera. But uh, there is another uh, there's another side to that coin when some women, especially in cities, they were empowered and they were, you know, they they got teaching jobs and they got uh, supervisory jobs and engineering jobs back in communist, uh, very early communist China, I would say. And that also created role models and uh, opportunities were given. And uh, it was all about education. Uh, Many of those. I mean, China was going through this huge um in uh, industrialization and uh you know technological um advancement stage, and that's where you needed qualified labor people that actually had to do very well in universities and um and bring this knowledge to the workplace
0: mm.
2: and uh yeah I think that's how women started and um China is a land of opportunities, so if you are uh strong powerful, if you are just going for it, if you have the right Guanxi. In terms of, I mean, in, in China, like in Russia, like in the rest of the world, you still need to build connections. And when I talk about Guanxi, I'm not talking about, you know, being married to Bill Clinton in right. order to, become, <laughs> you know, a president uh, or candidate uh, to presidency. Uh, but I'm talking about building human connections and relationships. And women are really good at that. Yeah. Very good. We are honestly, I feel, and maybe again, men will say, "Oh my goodness, she doesn't know what she's talking about." But I feel that we are better at this emotional intelligence in understanding other people's needs and being able to meet our needs together with, uh, you know, somebody else's needs. And it's really about making the pie bigger. Also, this philosophy of, you know, everybody wins. It is possible, and it is easier to rewire your mind. I feel. Um, to fit this model for a woman rather than a man. So I think that's where women thrive in China. They are able to play on those historical, historical, uh, you know, basement and playground, plus use their um, uh, ability to build connections and networks much better.
1: So let's talk about that mindset, Ashley, because that's where I'm getting ready now to duck from the bricks are going to be thrown. What do you think about, (laughs) I know, I know your opinions on this. I think we have to share this. Is that, and you, you tell it as it is. And this is where I respect you completely because you don't necessarily edit yourself just to please everybody, and you say what needs to be said rather than what people want to hear. Uh, this there's a lot of focus in the media on movements like Me Too or We Too. These kind of things, like you know, as it evolves to places like Japan. You know, it changes all over Asia. But Me Too, obviously, is like one of the big movements. Um, You know, there's a lot of focus. Obviously, you've mentioned Sheryl Sandberg, Lean In. A lot of people writing about these issues. Are they getting it right? Are we focusing on the right things? You talk about mindset. Are they training female entrepreneurs to think the way they need to think?
2: Well, in my opinion, no. In my opinion, every time I read, and I read a lot of books about, um, again, uh, Let's say women in business and, uh you know, all those all those things. It feels that every time I put down a book, um, the author wants to tell me how men oppress women and, you know, how it is an unfair business world and workplace and, you know, how how we need to fight them back and right, you know, right. and and, uh, and then in order to uh, get those opportunities and grasp those opportunities you know leaning in across the table sitting through meetings you know not being intimidated blah 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 and really the focus is all on those issues and all on those um, all on those uh, messages how women are weak and we are you know we haven't been given equal opportunities uh, in my opinion the focus shall be what are we great at and how do we move forward what is our end outcome what is our end goal All right and uh, here that's what we are currently failing to do we don't have examples of successful women talking about that mm. we um, we just focus on creating more people or getting more people on board with the message that it's not You know, it's not equal and it's not fair and it's not how it's supposed to be. That's great. And it's great to talk about it. How historically it wasn't necessarily, you know, equal and all, uh, you know, happy and uh, flowers everywhere. (laughs) Yes, but that's how the world is. You know, it was unfair how uh, Western uh, explorers took uh, Aboriginal lands and it was unfair, but these Aboriginal people move forward, they go beyond and they, you know, they work on their issues, not only focusing on what was that before and how we need to, you know, exclude men and support only other women. And, you know, we need to put all effort there. We need to work beyond and we need to focus on what is it we ultimately want, want to achieve. I feel that a lot of problems there actually lie within women, again, w- within our Mm, way, the the way we perceive ourselves, the more we talk about us being weak, weak, uh, uh, victims necessarily, the more we, uh, become and behave like victims. I never felt, I mean, I'm in a female entrepreneur. I have two companies. I have a vlog. I wrote a book. I mean, I'm, I'm out there talking to people. I'm being invited and I met many extraordinary human beings out there, very successful, very powerful men. And I can tell you, none of them made me feel inferior. None of them. But I saw so many women given those opportunities, and they felt inferior themselves because they were so focused on, oh, my God, I'm a woman. Stop. Forget about being a woman. Think about being a professional. Think about having uh, and understanding your strength. Uh, Think about, you know, putting yourself out there and building a company, building a personal brand, writing a book, doing those things. Think about you being a complete human being. Move beyond and break through, you know, forget about those. I, I wouldn't say just forget about what, uh, you know, what, what uh, women in general been through or there are some women being oppressed right now. Of course not. Of course support them. But you yourself, if you lead, if you are in front, if you are showing the way, you will empower and inspire other women to step up. That's what you necessarily need to be doing. Yeah, looking ahead.
1: Yeah, I, th- this is the tough central issue, isn't it? I mean, you talk about women, in a way, jeopardizing themselves. And I I think it's easier to blame somebody else for your own problems, isn't it? Because I'm a victim. It's sort of an easy way of doing it. It's a a cop-out. It's a way of saying, okay, I'm not responsible, therefore, you know, it's all these people's. I think it was Tony Robbins that said that, you know, you only get ahead when you give up your story of what's holding you back. And I think... I wonder what that is for a woman. You talk about women being intimidated by successful men. Well, that yeah, and- that has to be a starting point. I mean, you're never going to become successful if you can't hold company with these men. And I, I, what I understand is, and I don't understand this enough, but I haven't read the book you know, fully, Cheryl Sambo's leaning is telling women to sort of almost go head-to-head with men, almost like, you know, be a bit more aggressive and stand up and so on. Whereas you're you're sort of saying that's not kind of the right way of doing things.
2: Yeah, so in my opinion, I mean, exactly like Tony Robbins says, it is the story that you tell yourself. And uh, Les Brown talks about exactly the same thing. It's about the story that you tell yourself. That little voice in your head that keeps telling you who you are, what you are like, what you want, what you don't want. That is necessarily what holds a lot of women back. Change a story. Stop being a victim. Go and work on yourself. Go put yourself out there. And a lot, a lot of things will really change. In terms of what kind of story women tell themselves, um, um, I do not know about others. I think many women really feel that, or, uh, but for me, it's more difficult. I'm a woman. But for me, it's more difficult. Uh, you know, I don't come from a family uh, You know that can, that can propel me somewhere. So we still have those expectations. Mm. You still mm. expect men to, I don't know, to propel you somewhere or expect somebody to do something for you. If you say that you are equal and that you are you know fantastic and that you are professional and this is a you know a competitive workplace then you need to stop expecting stuff from people nobody owes you anything you need to work your way up and you need to be confident and you need to 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 view yourself as as that you know professional and and as that person
1: do you think in the future that success will be measured by the fact that we we no longer have to talk about female entrepreneurs and it's Absolutely.
0: just Absolutely. how far,
1: I mean, that must be a long way away, isn't it? I mean, every conference has something talking about female entrepreneurs or, you know, uh, the other day have, I, I was at have, a, I went to a, a startup have, accelerator and they, they had the female sorry. entrepreneur award. Yes. You know, I mean, yes. is that the right yes. thing to do or we focus too much on it?
2: Yeah. We've got a award We've got, we've got a, um, a conference just for women. We've got so many business, women business clubs. Etc. So basically what we start to do now, we start to exclude men. We start to, you know, building, you know, a community that's just for women. And we try to, you know, sort of say that we are supporting each other. And again, I'm not against all of those things. It's great that they are appearing, but you cannot exclude the other sex. You cannot exclude Hmm. other opportunities. You cannot just focus on being a victim, break out of it, break out of it and go get them. There's really, there's a lot of opportunities in terms of education, free education, paid education. There's a lot of opportunities at uh, workplace and workforce. There's a lot of opportunities in business. Um, And anyone, you know, no matter whether you're a national minority or you are a woman or you are young or you are old or you are retired, whatever, you can do this. You just need to uh, start actually working towards those goals.
1: Mm. Hard talk. Let's put this in the context of personal branding. So – Personal branding is obviously, I mean, you're you're a great example of this, is you're putting yourself out there. You're, you know, planting a flag, standing for something. Are you conscious of what your message is? Do you sort of sit down and think about, this is my message, this is what I want to say? Because you talked about Gary Vee as an example, having a message. Have you sort of worked that out? I'm, I'm always sort of, you know, when I think about that for myself, it's it, I find it quite hard to write down messages in terms of personal branding because sometimes it's hard to actually logically put it on a piece of paper it's just sort of something you think inside what, what do you do with yourself in terms of your message and personal brand
2: yeah so when i just started um a year and a half ago it was all about my professional expertise yeah so i, I started personal branding for a, a major reason i wanted to grow my business yeah i wanted to see how personal branding can impact that so okay my business is we're two agencies and basically I work with China and, you know, social networks in China. So I said, OK, my message is I'm going to teach people about social media in China and I'm going to share a lot of content that is not obvious information beyond obvious. My professional knowledge, things that I accumulated in the past 10, 12 years of hard labor and the trial and errors. I'm going to share all that in order to help others. That's how I started. And I am passionate about China and i know china very well and i uh, for the first couple of months nobody reacted to my content and mm. i kept putting it out and you need to be ready for that nobody cares nobody cares only when you deliver disproportional value yeah then people start noticing you so at one point um uh, one of my videos about wechat went i wouldn't say viral but it went definitely popular and that's what gave me you know um uh, i would say mm. this much needed uh confidence that you know that there is audience for my content mm. and I just need to keep doing that and then all these amazing things happened I was uh, more and more people subscribed to the channel, more and more people started interacting with me on LinkedIn um, a, a lot of media inquiries came in, I was invited to Alibaba Global Influencer Entourage uh, meeting, yeah, where you meet people like Jack Ma and Joe Tsai, and you actually have intimate briefings with them with with a group of twelve global influencers, right? For three mm-hmm. days, and then uh, and then again the book and uh, all those things came out of my decision to go and put myself out there. Mm-hmm. And in terms of message, um, later on, of course, to be very honest, China for me is very very small. Just talking about China is not enough. I don't want to be associated as, okay, this China girl, because I've got big ambitions. Hmm. So, And also China is a part of my interest, but it's not all of it. If you have one passion in life, and you want to talk about it, and you have very strong message, and you, you are sure that there are people that would benefit immensely, disproportionately from that message, then go ahead. But hmm. I see that there are three necessarily aspects of Of me that I want to share. Number one, yes, it's China. And that was the easiest for me because it was uh, it was my professional expertise. The second aspect is uh, personal branding. Because I started doing that, I actually uh, gained certain, I would say, success and exposure through it. I think I'm qualified to talk about it and uh, we are not doing enough. And, you know, this kind of branding, personal branding, those aspects, I'm extremely, pow- uh, I'm extremely mm, pumped and extremely uh, excited to share my story and, you know, some tips and learn from others as well, because it's conversation that, that moves people, this conversation this exchange of information. And the last one is female entrepreneurship, because I see so many women around me telling themselves the wrong story, focusing on the wrong thing and playing victims um And they are being trained to do that. And they are, you know, through media and through all those things. So we are trying to uh, we are trying to help situation. And in many, many ways, psychologically, we are actually making situation, I wouldn't say worse, but definitely not where it's supposed to be right? So these are the three messages. And I, at one point, actually wrote them down. I said, Ashley stands for China, Ashley stands for blogging slash personal branding, and Ashley stands for female entrepreneurship. These are the three messages I'm, power- I'm, I'm um, inspired by, and I want to share. And maybe five years down the road, these messages are going to be different. But yeah. for now, these are they.
1: That has to be one of the biggest challenges is in personal branding, isn't it? Is choosing the messages or is finding them. You've picked three really exciting areas do, do they have to be related? Because I think this is a challenge people face, isn't it? Is that I might want to pick, you know, this message. It could be China, and I might want to pick, you know, for example, autonomous vehicles because I, you know, I love that. Space. <laughs> I might want to pick travel, and on the face of it, they don't appear to be related. Do they have to be? Because is there all there's that risk, isn't it, that you sort of might end up giving people different messages to different audiences and so on. How do you sort of work all that in your head that you've got these three messages which appear on the surface, maybe not necessarily related?
2: Yeah, so I I feel that this connection between all three messages that you have is you. You are the person that is interested in this and you gained certain professional or business success in that area. So you are qualified to talk about it and share it. Then you are interested in another thing and you've done your research and you, you love it and you are passionate about it. You are the link. So when you talk about A and then you talk about B and then you talk about C, you always, I mean, you have all this information, all this experience, all this knowledge in you so you will be able to you know um, make it interesting for various audiences and again you're not trying to be liked by everyone you're not trying to reach everybody with your message what you're trying to do is um, to share what you know uh, to help others to provide this information beyond obvious and if you do that from the right place with the right heart And with a lot of um, literally massive action and a lot of um, a lot of work, it's a lot of work. You will be heard and you will get your audience. So I don't think it is a big problem as long as your message is not contradicting Mm -hmm. uh, one another. Yeah. But that is also not possible. How can one person who is sane? uh, Yeah. How can one sane person start talking about? I do not know. I'm supporting female entrepreneurs. And the second message I'm not supporting them. Then, of course, it doesn't work.
1: So th- this the the common theme in the the branding is you that's a really important part isn't it because that's maybe where people feel the most uncomfortable because yeah. you have these domain areas you so you talk about china and you talk about female entrepreneurship and personal branding but what connects it is you and your story and through listening to this podcast people will already know for example that you came from the east coast of russia that you have studied and lived in new zealand and the uk etc cetera, etc cetera. um you're giving away parts of your story as well i guess the advantage of having podcasts is you can do more of that right you can sort of give people <laughs> a window into your life and some people don't want to do that some people kind of feel a bit oh i'm not i don't know if i should tell them about my travels or you know, what I did today, because they feel that that's not relevant to business. But what you're saying is like, that story is actually more relevant. That's what people connect with, isn't it? The story.
2: It's Absolutely true. And only by telling your story, only by actually telling them how you do that and demystifying a lot of things, right? Yeah. You know? when, when, when people look at me, I, I, again, some men, some women, and they say, oh my goodness, how can you do all those things? In such a short period of time, how can you launch? Uh, I mean, I've got a little TV show, a small TV show uh, on local TV here in Hong Kong, and then a book, and then this, and then you're running companies, and then you're traveling all around the world, and you're participating in this, I don't know, Tony Robbins trainings or whatever. People say, how can you do all that? And when you literally walk them through the process and you tell them, uh, you know, where I come from, how I do stuff, etc. cetera, um, when you give it away, people you empower them necessarily. You, mm. you, you show them that it is possible. If I can do it and I'm just a normal person, ordinary person who put disproportional and extraordinary amount of work into what I believe in and what I want, I know my outcome. So that makes a difference. And people get inspired. Right. Besides that, I also believe that, you know, all this information. OK, there, there, there are two ways. There are two things. All this information, your professional knowledge or the message that you're passionate about and that you have and that you lived through, this information was given to you in order for you to perfect it and pass it on. Mm. Not to keep it, to pass it on. That's why people that you know get moist have the most responsibility to give it, give it um digest it and give it to other people so you act as the as the connector as the information pass over yeah mm. Th- that's who you are so in order to deliver that information yeah and all of us pretty much have the same information I mean look at Team Ferrer's Or Tony Robbins or Gary Vee, all of them are talking about very similar things. Yeah, many uh, like Oprah, they all talk about meditating and, you know, uh, purposeful silence. And they talk about, you know, knowing your outcome, not just focusing on your to do's and this and that and this and that. However, um, the way they mm, share that message is unique to them. Because they do it through their own stories, through their own examples, through their own experiences. And therefore, they are able to reach very different audiences, very different audiences. So if you're not willing, if you have the message, if you if you have this professional knowledge and you can start small, start with your professional knowledge, something that you're comfortable with, something that you know you can talk for half a year about. Yeah. So if you have that, but you are not introducing and mixing yourself into how you present it then it becomes a university lecture. Mm. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to listen to a lecture.
1: Exactly. I can get that online, right? I mean, I can go and just read a blog or, but what you're doing is you're creating that human angle. And I'm fascinated by this idea of disproportional value, because you've mentioned it a couple of times. It's quite important to help the listeners understand what exactly that is. What are you talking about?
2: Yeah, so disproportional value, you know, a lot of people start, let's say, uh, writing a blog because they are trying to get leads. And that sounds like a, you know, sound idea. Or I'm I'm going to speak at this event and I'm planning to get, let's say, five leads out of it because mm-hmm. I spoke about, you know, subjects that people are interested in and they feel that I'm an expert, blah, blah, blah. So they come to me. But that's the wrong place to start. And um if you start with going there to that event or writing that blog that would deliver information beyond obvious, information that you worked on for years to find, understand, break down. If you are giving that huge value, much more than people ever imagined you're going to deliver, then you will connect with people on a very different level. Mm. It's not marketing, it's teaching It's teaching. It's passing over that knowledge. It's making it understandable, personal, and real. That's what matters. When you do that, you build real connection with people. You become, in a way, their mentor in this professional field or in life or in business or somewhere else for this small thing, for this small subject. But every time they will think about it, you will pop up. And that's what you're trying to create, This creating this disproportional value. That needs to be your outcome. And if it's really if if this is the story you tell yourself again, and if this is how you view every blogging, vlogging, media opportunity, speaking opportunity, you will get disproportional amount of benefits, maybe not directly from those people, but again, from other opportunities, because this energy attracts, yeah, this It's really, I mean, maybe it sounds a bit uh, esoteric and people say, oh, my goodness, now she talks about energy and how is this possible? But it's true because people will see what you are doing. People will will, uh, invite you to more fantastic events. You will speak in front of more audiences. You will bring them even more value. Even if those people don't need your, I don't know, consultation services or whatever right now, they will always remember Mm -hmm. you. And they will recommend you to their network. You never try to sell. You never try to put yourself first and, and you know, and uh, self-promote or, uh, or, you know, get followers, etc. You don't do that. You're trying to get, give value first, give first and give more. I know that Gary Vee talks about, you know, 51%, right? So he says you always need to give 51% and receive 49. So you always give more than others give you. And uh, maybe that's the right balance. I do not know. For me, I give a lot more, but at the same time, I get more, and then I give more again, and then I get more, and then it just goes on and on and on, and it's self, uh, self fulfilling and self growing kind of you know circle of mm. energy and. Well,
1: it's an investment, isn't it? That's the key. You, you're, you're, you've mentioned it already. Taking a long term approach when you started your, um, you know, your own self branding. You you said two months with nothing, right? So, you know, you have to go out there and have that that long-term mindset that I'm going to do this. I, I'm not going to worry about what the return is. I'm just going to go out there and, and add some kind of value to the world out there and these people with this message, right? And that will pay me back in time. But, you know, I'm not Definitely. going to go in and say I, I need 10 leads per podcast episode. But exactly. Otherwise, it's not worth my time.
2: And that is why sharing that story, you know, my story with others is so important because many people give up. They start giving value, 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 and they don't see uh, they don't see, um, uh, you know, results. They don't see, uh, you know, business coming in or whatever. Yeah. And that is why it's important for other leaders to share their story and say, you know what? I've been there. And it's okay. Half a year. It's okay for eight months. No problem. It's going to come. Keep doing it. It's important to give people that confidence.
1: Wow. I mean, this is such a powerful subject as well, because hopefully this is moving people to think about this. One thing you mentioned, which I think is one of the biggest challenges that people have with personal branding, you talk about setting yourself up almost like a mentor. So you're taking a position of leadership. One of the doubts that i hear people say is that you know oh i can't do that i i can't be an expert <laughs> uh-huh. on this and it there's something called the imposter syndrome isn't it which is like you know where you find yourself in a situation where you think oh I, i'm not worthy of doing this no, how did enough. i get it? yeah exactly I, I you know because this goes back to female entrepreneurship as well is that you know i'm in this world you know like one of those fairy tales where you know they swap roles and the prince and right. the the pauper type thing but, you know, that happens to us in business and branding as well. So I'm in this situation. I don't think I can lead people. I don't think I can... You know, influence people's lives, or make change, or tell stories, or you know, I'm not the marketing expert on autonomous vehicles or Japan or Indonesia. You know, all those kind of things that those doubts that people have in their head. How do you deal with that? Because everybody must face that at some point, right?
2: Definitely, I had that as well when I just started. I was just so nervous. I was just like, my goodness. What if I say something and, you know, China moves very fast, right? So like mm. once you say something about, let's say, China or some of the platforms or some of the realities of the way business is done, what if I say something and like by the time it's out, for example, that article, it's already something else. What if what if somebody within my industry is going to, you know, come to me and say, you know what, what you're doing is absolute bullshit, we've been through very different experience or we, uh, we, we disagree and that's how we serve customers. And that's, you know, a better case here, a worse case there. So I was terrified at first, but, um, but you need to, you need to understand that what helped me personally, you need to understand that everybody has exactly the same fear. Mm. Everybody has the fear of not being enough, smart enough, expert enough, you know, having the right information. So that helped me a lot. So if I have those fears, then those other guys that are not putting ourselves out there must have even bigger fears because they don't do it.
1: Mm. So even somebody like Gary Vee will be thinking that as well in the dark corner of his mind.
2: Definitely. I, I totally feel that Gary Vee is also terrified. Mm. He's terrified. And he also doesn't like nobody likes to be judged and Disliked, etc. I'm sure, and the way he says that, you know, he doesn't care, everybody cares. Mm. Everybody cares because we all have our deepest fear is not to be loved, loved by, you know, our family or peer group or, you know, our followers or, I mean, other people. That's the fear that we have, but we need to learn how to manage it because that's what prevents you from so many things. The second thing that helped me, apart from that, was um, that. I actually saw how experts are being made. I Mm -hmm. looked at successful examples, how somebody wrote a book or how somebody, you know, did something and then they shot to the top. And I thought, okay, can I break that process down? Can I just write down in bullet points what needs to be done to become that, you know, perceived expert? Because I already have the knowledge. I already have the experience. I already speak the language. I already, you know, I'm, I'm already there. But can I break it down? And can I just, do those things follow those steps and if yes i'm sure that i'm going to get to that stage and that level and get the track vision and you know and get my audience etc so that's what helped me and um uh, yeah
1: well, what is that uh, tell tell me about that because i i know tony robbins talks a lot about that as well in the sense that success leaves tracks you know you can break down the the success of somebody who's achieved something you want to achieve into you know like you say bullet points and yeah, you know, Tim Ferriss is the same. It's all about modeling, isn't it? Yeah. What did you yeah. learn in that process that you could share here?
2: Um, so um, I will tell a story how I actually how I actually saw something extremely complicated to be broken down into very small pieces. So mm. we are working with um, with um, um, uh, a co-founder of Tencent, right? And we are helping him promote uh, a philanthropy project of his globally. And as a part of that philanthropy project, um, they hired Economist Intelligence Unit to commence the research of global economists—35 economists around the world—and rank them based on, you know, how good or uh, how prepared are they for the future of education? Yeah, how much mm-hmm. money they invest in education, etc. And basically, they, the Economist uh, Intelligence Unit, came back uh, half a year later with a, with a, uh, let's say, 50-page report. Um And ranking all those countries and they ranked Nigeria and Russia at the bottom of the list for some categories. And I was speaking with the lady who put together a report and I was asking her, how are you actually, you know, how can you put a number? How can you, how can you rank those countries? What is it you're doing? I mean, and she told me that they basically go out there, internet and free resources and some paid resources and they collect information that's readily available. And then they try to make sense of that information and just wing it. So mm-hmm. basically. Simply put, they are obviously professionals and they have some, you know, resources, but they are, to a large extent, just trying to use their common sense, you know, to get there. And then I saw how that report was obviously promoted digitally through The Economist, through, you know, uh, the Partners Network and educators around the world picked it up and they started referring to that, uh, to that ranking and referring to that. Um, uh, score and it became international thing and right now it's second third year they keep doing that so that's how you can start something from nothing and the same with the with the person with personal brand yeah Um, what I saw is extremely important number one is you need to start with a blog or Uh, you can do it on LinkedIn or you can do it. I don't like writing. It's, it's a pain in the ass for me. I really, it's really, really tough. Uh, yeah, it's very slow. So for me, videos are much easier because I like to talk. I was terrified to put my face on the video, but it worked. So you need to find a medium where you can start sharing that stuff. And when you are small, you, you just go there, you just wing it because nobody's watching either way. Very (laughs) few people are watching. So actually you have that space and you have this opportunity to you know be yourself and just try and just just put it out there. At the same time make sure that content is high quality so that people can discover you. The second thing that every successful person does is they start working very closely with media. So you need to reach out to journalists and you need to be mm-hmm. featured in Forbes and you know you need to you need to get to some TV channels and And that is two things. First of all, once you become expert, more and more media comes to you. And uh, because you are ready to provide them value, disproportional value, and you're ready to give them case studies and spend hours a day writing those articles for them. Yeah. So media later on just edits it and throws a couple of quotes from somebody else. But if you are ready to do that, they also uh, understand that you're building a lasting relationship you're a you're willing to become an ongoing contributor so that part uh, working with media gives you a lot of weight and the other thing that you need to do is you need to put yourself out there physically you cannot just be an online personality a talking head nobody wants to have a talking head just go out there mingle with people And I don't mean, I mean, it depends if you are small, uh, you know, you're just starting out, speak at any and every event you can. Last year, for instance, and that was not my first year speaking, but last year alone, I spoke at 58 events, 58. This year, I'm going to speak probably at around 60 events, but most of them are paid. So that's the difference. That's how you move up the ladder. Yeah. And, and then uh, the other thing is uh, once you move up, you need to do other things. For example, uh, the book. I mm. wrote the book and I mean, writing a book is one thing. I think we spoke about it very briefly last time, but marketing that book is a, is a, is a, is just three times the yep. work. And you need to uh, you need to have those relationships with other industry partners. In my case, it's other agencies. And you need to, you know, really come to them and say, that's the book. Please look at the manuscript. And guys, I would really appreciate if you could help. And, you know, you need to have this relationship with people already. So previously, I delivered value to them. I featured them in my blogs. I I went to their events to speak, uh, you know, and uh, and uh, and sh- I brought value. So right now, um I was in position to actually, you know, ask for help. And many of them did. I couldn't I couldn't have ever become an Amazon bestseller if my network of let's say twenty agencies and other partners wouldn't have just blasted an email and and you know it said this amazing book is coming out and it's Ashley's and we totally love it and blah blah blah. I couldn't have done it without them. And I give them a lot, a lot of credit for that. So then it's the book, right? And the next thing you do, you start, either you go on TV or you start your own channel um, as a professional channel. So that's what happened for me. I actually went to TV. Um, I was invited to uh, to be interviewed uh, here on one TV and the interview went really well. They got huge, fantastic feedback because I spoke Chinese on that channel and view, viewers loved it. So the next thing I know, they're asking me to have my own TV show. Uh So now I have my one minute China, you know, and it's been broadcast in mainland and in Hong Kong. Um, I thought it was a fantastic opportunity. Yes, it is a fantastic opportunity to add weight to who I am, but it's so much um, effort and time and it's actually not reaching my audience because I'm speaking to Chinese about China. Uh Bit comical, right? It's not reaching my audience. So that is why, I mean, essentially, I thought, okay, let let me finish doing that because, you know, because we've got some agreements and, you know, people are counting on me. But at the same time, let me move to something different where I can really reach my audience more. So I started my uh, channel. And yes, I had my YouTube channel before and all these Ashley talks and vlogs, but I actually hired a professional crew to fly over to Hong Kong and shoot a, let's say, documentary series about how I did it. And I'm not yet at the top of the ladder and I'm still going and, you know, learning never stops and growing never stops. But I have achieved certain level of success. And I feel that it's very valuable to people, again, to inspire them, to show them that this is possible. And that's how this girl from Vladivostok, how she did it, how she did it out of Hong Kong. And what is she able to do? And okay, if she can do it, I can do it. So I started those, those, uh, those, um uh, episodes and we are on episode two right now they are extremely professionally produced and they cost me a lot of money to put together but it's just a different quality of content so now with this content i have a lot more opportunities again so it just never ends and these are the major things that i broke um, broke down from successful people and it worked for me and i know that if somebody will follow the same route it will work for them
1: i mean it's an amazing story it takes time though and that's you know let's sort of break that down because you've you've gone into this with a very long-term mindset i mean if you like we said if you went in very short term what do i get out of this it never would have worked but you went in you added disproportional value you invested in the long term, you built relationships before you needed something from those people, which is important, because when you needed something, like with the book later on, those people were there. You already had the trust and the guangxi with those people, right? That was so important. So you built that over the long term. And I think this is what listeners have to kind of take on board. They look around and they see successful people like yourself or Gary Vee as an example. What they don't see is the hustle that, you know... <laughs> That person was like an overnight success, but they don't see that that person put in the graveyard shifts. You know, they put in years and years of effort when you didn't even know about them, you know, behind the scenes. And they kept doing it, kept plugging away, you know, like the first two months when nobody was watching, they were still doing their stuff, right? I mean, I, as an example, Joe Rogan, which is, I think, the most popular podcast in the world, right. Joe Rogan Experience, he's been doing that for eight years, I mean, to get to a million downloads an episode takes years and years of work. So you've got to have that faith. So I guess the question I want to ask is people may be thinking, you know, I'm doing my urban gardening podcast <laughs> out here in Singapore. You know, I've been doing it for six months and nobody's like responding to it. Is it because I'm doing something wrong or people just aren't interested in urban gardening? Because that must be a question people have all the time. is like, at what point do I know I'm doing it right? What what should I be measuring? How long should it take? Is there any sort of guidance there?
2: Yeah, yeah, fantastic question. So uh, let me start with uh, referring to your earlier, you know, uh, your earlier mention about, you know, time and how much time it takes. It takes time for sure. And for somebody it takes eight years, for somebody it takes one year. Um, For me, I was able to do it, very, very fast, just because I'm Russian. So I'm rushing all the time. I want <laughs> things to be done yesterday. No and I wrote a book in three and a half months. And then we marketed it for, you know, uh maybe one month. And, you know, we are where we are right now. So I did it very, very fast. You can do it with the right support. Um And it will still take you one to two years. Um So in terms of when do you know that something is not working? um You need to be aware whether people really need your stuff. Are you delivering value? So if you are, you know, running this gardening podcast and gardeners are not listening to podcasts mm. and there's is uh, telling you that they actually want to listen or they heard and learned something interesting, it shall not discourage you. But if you understand that the value you deliver is very obvious, the stuff that, that can be found online and there's no interesting Delivery or cases and stuff. And if you if you feel that what you are doing can be repeated and replicated and you're just repeating obvious information, that's the red flag. And you've been doing it for a while and there's no response. So that's the red flag. So you might not necessarily need to change your uh, change your focus. You might yeah. want to change the delivery and the content yeah so Very i true. believe that honestly any topic if it is knitting or gardening or you know chinese tea mm. or art i believe that there is a market for that and japan i mean you are you are living in japan Graham, and japan is a fantastic example to that because there are people that are fanatics yep. for i do not know pokemon go and and uh, godzilla and uh, i do not know barbies and people everything are- Everything. Yeah. And there is market for everything. Yeah. Somebody wants to learn about knitting. If you have this as a hobby, if you love Muay Thai, if you love green tea, somebody must love it too. And as long as you can deliver that disproportional, high quality value to them. You will be discovered. you will be you know you will be there. It might take you long, it might take you shorter, but yeah, but if you're if you are delivering obvious information and you're not so passionate yourself and it's just something that can be found online, um yeah that that might be challenging, and I think you you must yeah re- revisit that content mm. content thing. But for me personally, it took six months. yeah, it took uh, my first video was discovered four months into me doing videos. months and then after the first half a year i felt significant um, impact significant impact and just to to let you know how many videos i did uh, i published videos minimum three times uh, a week Mm. and the first two months it was day uh, not daily five five times a week so i basically spent my whole saturday writing the script or bullet points because i didn't read the script but bullet points And then recording and then I edited myself because I didn't want to burden my colleagues. I didn't know whether this is going to work. So I didn't want them to take time to do something that's not going to bring us anything. So I spent my whole Saturday and sometimes half a Sunday doing that consistently for four months. Even when I was traveling, I remember I recorded when I was in South Africa in Safari Park. Sitting there, you know, <laughs> next to the uh, next to the little hut and recording from my from my computer, and you know there were like people walking back and forth. But you do that, mm. you do that, and it's okay. And right now, when I look at those videos, and I say, okay, it wasn't it wasn't the best quality, and it wasn't this, but content was always great
1: and consistent. That's yeah. the key, isn't it? And you did what forty to fifty. Videos before it really took off yes. that's what you're saying I mean yes. that's that's really important because a lot of people do something they do like four or five podcasts or four or five videos, and they give up because you know they' like, oh I'm not getting any response, you know people aren't reacting to it I mean it's fun at the beginning there's that novelty and excitement, but after that it wears off, doesn't it and you've got to grind them out
2: because yeah, we live in this fast food culture, mm. everything needs to be fast, everything needs to be yesterday everything. And this is good in one way and we you know, we are connected, there is this technology, blah blah blah. But it creates so much complexity and unrealistic expectations. I think the, the, the biggest the biggest killer of potential is really this unrealistic expectation. Right,
1: right. But those people who go in with the long term win. That's the key, isn't it? Because Always. everybody's very short term, it's people like yourself who play the long term game who will win in the long term because people will just fall out around you, right? That's the key. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And also, you're progressing by doing that. It's not only that you're going to win and that you're going to stay relevant and all those fantastic things, but it's also that you grow. By doing those videos, I had to structure so much content mm. that I could write a book in three months.
0: Exactly. By,
2: by you know, doing these podcasts or speaking or being on TV, I actually had to work on you know, on, on other things and think about so many things that I didn't have time, I felt I could think and I could work on, you know, it, it basically pushes you to become better version of yourself. And the more you do that, the more of an expert you become. And then you get people starting following you and then your confidence rises. And then again, you are a better, a better um, uh, expert, and then that—it's it, just value grows, and people grow, and your your uh, your uh, self awareness and the way you view yourself also grows and improves, and all of that is absolutely beautiful. That's what happiness is.
1: Oh yeah, what a place to end! Excellent. <laughs> but I can't end without talking about what's coming next. I mean, it's been awesome today. Your insights, Ashley, on Yay. personal branding and female entrepreneurship. Next, we enter a new chapter for the Ashley Talks podcast here on Asia Tech Podcast. What comes next? We've got plans. What's going on?
2: Yes. Yes. So next, we're going to talk. I'm, uh, I'm going to bring a couple of guests, uh, and I'm going to speak with them about branding, about female entrepreneurship. I'm going to speak with them about China and Asia in general. Um, I'm going to be bringing people from business world, from acting world, successful executives, uh, people that I personally love, that I met, that inspire me, uh, that I haven't uh, meet personally, but that I really, really uh, feel would benefit, uh, you know, our listeners. So that's what's coming next. It's going to be conversations with amazing people on a variety of subjects and topics. Um, and I'm extremely excited to bring all of those guests and all of those opportunities and that knowledge and that inspiration to all of you guys.
1: That sounds so awesome. And you can go and check out the episodes. If you've missed any of the, the back episodes of Ashley Talks, our pilots go ATP atp.show slash Ashley Talks. Also linked to iTunes. Go and subscribe to iTunes and leave Ashley a review as well. That'd be fantastic. And catch Ashley... Well, we'll put all the details in the show notes, so you can tweet us at AsiaTechPod. Hashtag AshleyTalks as well, because Ashley will pick that one up as well. So any questions, <laughs> feedback that you have, especially about today, because today should have provoked some kind of opinion or reaction in people. Female entrepreneurship <laughs> and branding. More to come.
2: Thank you so much, Graham.
0: You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.